Hello and welcome to the show today. We're going to be talking to the man himself, Deathblade, as you may know him. Uh, you definitely do know him. You know him because Wusha World would not be the same without him because I found it through Coiling Dragon, but guess what? I stayed there because of I Shall Seal the Heavens, and that kept me going for a long time until it ended because, as we all know, all good things must come to an end, but now we have a Will Eternal, and there is a little bit of uh, talk online about a Will Eternal right now because the, the Raz have ended, but Deathblade's over in chapters around 800 right now, which is a really great tale about Bai Zhao Chen. So I'm really a fan of it, but he's got some stuff to talk to you guys about. We're going to do a Q&A. We're going to answer all your questions, uh, talk about some of the stuff that's going on with Deathblade lately, and maybe I'll ask him a few questions of my own and put him on the chopping block. But we'll see. Uh, I do want to thank him so much for the time. Thank you guys so much for watching this show. If you're watching right now, please hit that subscribe button, like, and share with your friends. But without further ado, I don't want to keep him waiting on the line right now. So here we are. We have Mr. Deathblade. You're on. Hi. Cool. I'm I'm coming at you from China, so I hope my connection is good enough, and I hope you can hear me clearly. Well, I hope you have a long enough reach, because if you want to punch me from China, it's going to be a little bit difficult for you. Uh, so, I think I've had you on the show before briefly, but this is the first, like, Deathblade episode, technically. Yeah, I guess so. That's right. How so, many have you got under your belt so far? This is, I believe, number 15, uh, which is kind of bad because i think i've been doing it for like 24 weeks or something which shows my consistency maybe i should not give my hand at translating but uh somebody who does have consistency is on the line is you so i want to first to kind of bring us to our our, our first kind of topics of the day i want to know what are your thoughts on everyone talking about a will eternal because I've heard some things, this is all non-spoiler, just so everyone knows, we're not going to talk about the ending in terms of spoilers, we're not going to talk about what happens, we're not going to say anything that's going to make you not want to read it anymore, because that would directly affect Deathblade's livelihood and ruin the story for you, that's not what we want to do here. So, uh, without spoilers, what is it that people have been saying that you agree with, and what is it you've, they've been saying that you disagree with about the ending? Right, well, um... Yeah, so like it ended several months ago, and uh, I knew roughly how it was going to end from pretty much the very beginning. Well, not the very beginning, but we, me and Ren Wilson met with the author, Argan, and you know he kind of told us how it was going to end. So I knew how it was going to end. Uh, and then he actually announced it within the chapter comments of his um, live um, version that he was going to end it. He announced it several, I, I think it was something like 20 chapters or something before it ended. And so word kind of spread, and I read along with the final um, batch of chapters. But there was a lot of stuff I didn't quite understand because I hadn't read everything else. Um, there is a, 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 a wiki on the Baidu wiki that uh, has pretty much all the information about the story. So I've, all along, I've pretty much kind of known everything that's going to happen. Uh, but that having been said, I didn't actually read it for myself. Uh, when I started it, I was translating it as I was reading it, kind of similar to I Shall Sow the Heavens. But I really didn't like that. So as soon as I finished I Shall Still the Heavens and started focusing on A Will Eternal, I started um, being very disciplined about my translation schedule on a daily basis. And so, for example, like let's say I translated, I would translate three chapters in a day. 
then I would make sure to read three chapters of the novel before I start translating. And usually I would try to do read four. Um, however many cha chapters I translated, I tried to read at least one more than I, uh, than I translated. And, and I'm, I'm not a very fast reader in Chinese, by the way, so I can't like, binge read the whole novel in a couple days. It's just impossible for me. Um, so point is just um, over the months, I've been getting further and further ahead of the translated chapters. And, and I, a while back, I actually finished reading the entire novel. Uh, of course, um, some people have read machine translated versions or have heard of the comments on the Chinese internet about it. And um, I've even seen comments within the, the live chapters right now where people are pointing out how uh, the story is, you know, half done or more than half done. And he's only at this certain level of power. And people are like speculating how could it possibly end so quickly? Like, you know, he has so much more to grow. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've seen people commenting about that when, when he actually released the initial um, finale in Chinese, th there were some comments. So, um, and, and of course there were people in the comments in Chinese who were kind of like saying, that's it, it's over. Um, and so I kind of wanted to address that because I, I, I foresee more people wondering about how the ending is going to wrap up. And again, I'm not going to get into any spoilers about how it ends. Basically, my thoughts on the matter are I actually really liked um, the entire flow. I didn't realize it until I finished it and started thinking back to it, that the story actually kind of has three major, I guess you could say, acts, like an act one, act two, and act three. And the thing is that considering I kind of knew how it was um, going to end overall from early on, I can see going through it, reading it, and now translating, I can see how tightly he kept the narrative. Like he, he basically planned out everything from the beginning and he hit all of the points that he wanted to hit. And I think, I actually think he did a lot better job with this than he did with I Shall Still the Heavens because with I Shall Still the Heavens, um, I think a lot of fans can kind of tell that there are certain ideas that he kind of came up with and sort of discarded. And there was um, one point during the novel where he kind of did a major change in direction from what he originally had planned. And in this novel, he didn't do that. He like basically stayed completely focused on his original idea for the story. And so there is a major kind of like story that goes from beginning to end, similar to I Shall Still the Heavens, but I, again, I think it's more tight. So as the fans, as we get into the final um, few hundred chapters, I think people are gonna, gonna see how fast paced it is and how he's not wasting time um, on unnecessary things. Of course, like there's always, as I was reading through the final chapters again, because I now I've read through it twice. I was thinking like there are certain things where I feel like he handled something in a couple paragraphs that could have been stretched out into a chapter or two. But then there were also like chapters that I felt could have been condensed into paragraphs and stuff. So I think it all just is according to his plan. And so I'm really happy with it. I'm looking forward to finishing it, translating because you always get something more out of it when you translate it. I think people are going to like it. So do you think that um, now that you've read it twice, uh, is the translation going to be the third time technically when you, when you go through and re-edit everything? Yeah, I mean, I read it once, I read it in Chinese, and then I read it again as I'm translating it, and then I read it again as I edit the chapter. So I read each chapter at least three or four times. I sometimes read them again after they're launched just to kind of like, because I get hooked back in. So, yeah. Do you think that people kind of feel that way because they miss stuff as they're reading it? Like they don't actually like kind of write notes down or they don't like dive in as much as it takes to like read it two or three times. Do you think like when they, when they're cursory reading it, it feels so fast because they can just binge it? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that, I mean, I see it in the comments cause I, I see it in the comments section. Um, I read most of the comments, um, 
depending on how many there are and how long the comments are, I tend to read most of them. And I see a lot of people posing questions, um, pointing out like like plot holes or something that are actually not mistakes, not plot holes, just they weren't really reading closely. And probably that does have something to do with it. I think another thing is that people are used to having these really, really, really long stories. My, I've heard, this is just something I've heard, I can't confirm this, but I've heard that a lot of the Chinese authors are starting to veer a little bit away from the like repetitive, endless novel um, uh, as they realize how important the IP of their stories is. Um, I think they're more interested in creating interesting stories and characters and less interested in just drawing things out forever. And I think that may be a trend in, in, in the future of novels not being insanely long, you know, like 3,000 chapters or something. How's that going to change for, for you when you're translating? Now that like projects are going to be shorter, because I know with, with I Shall Seal the Heavens, you had plenty of time to build up a reader's following, plenty of time to build up patrons. And then it was kind of a big thing when you moved over to a Well Eternal. Uh, do you think this is going to be a trend with translators, too? Or are they going to try to hold close to those novels that are 1,500, 2,000 chapters or Marshall God Ashura, which is just like ridiculous numbers of chapters? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a very, very good question. And it's something that. I think about a lot, and I think um, Ren thinks about a lot, and I think all the other translators think about a lot. Um, I'm currently kind of uh, starting to figure out what my next project is going to be, and that's definitely a factor. You know, do I want to um, pick something shorter? Um, do I want to pick something longer? I don't know. I, I'm not sure at this point. Well, I gotta, I gotta ask then. Speaking of your next project, if you're, if you're gonna pick something longer or shorter. Do you know if uh, Argon's next project's going to be longer than A Will Eternal or shorter? And are you going to be the one translating it? Or what's going on with that? I don't know much about the length of it. Um, and, but I can say that I won't be translating it. Wushu um, uh, World does not have the translation rights. And uh, someone else has the translation rights. <laughs> um, although it's strange that it hasn't started translating already. I don't know why that is, but it doesn't seem that I'll be doing it. Uh, I will be um, actually uh, meeting face-to-face -face with Argon pretty soon, so I might talk to him about it a little bit, see if I can get some more info about, um, about the story in general. I think he hasn't decided yet whether he's going to have it fit into the grand uh, narrative sort of that, that encompasses the four major novels, or well, I guess yeah, the four major novels, uh, Renegade Immortal, Pursuit of Truth, uh, I Shall Still Heavens, and A Will Eternal do all um, fall into the category of like the, the major mythos. I don't know if he's decided. In fact, I, I remember hearing him say that he hadn't decided yet. So we'll see. Maybe it'll fit into the major story or maybe it'll be more of a one-off thing. I'm pretty certain it takes place within the larger universe that the other no novels take place in. Do you think, even if you don't translate it, do you think you'll be doing... Um any sort of coverage on it on your YouTube channel? Like, will you be talking about it like every story arc or anything? Or do you not have time to read it, you think? It's, I, I don't know. It depends on a couple of things. Like, for one, uh, well, it depends on what my next project is. It depends on um, who translates it and the quality of that translation. If, it's, if somebody else translates it and it's a really good translation, I may want to read it. But I haven't even read the translation of Renegade Immortal <laughs> yet. <laughs> And I kind of want to, so like I have so much on my plate. I suspect I probably won't. I might uh, maybe share some art and stuff if it comes up, because uh, Argon shares stuff on his public WeChat 
like art. He actually has already posted a little bit of art. I haven't released it. Maybe I will. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to wait and see how my next project goes and how my schedule works out. Have you ever thought about partnering with Argon on a written project? Because I know you've done a little bit of writing. That'd be cool, but you know, there's um, a lot of factors that play into it. One of them being he's like super famous and I'm not. <laughs> I mean, like, so yeah, he's like, you know, very, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like he's that famous. I mean, he's famous within the community of web novelists and he's like super rich, but uh, yeah, he's a little bit, he's a little bit, his cultivation level is a lot higher than mine. Let's put it that way. Got it. You are, you're just a frog in the well at the moment. He's maybe in the spirit yeah. realm just a little bit. Um, so that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm sad that you're not going to be translating his next novel. As far as we know, it's upsetting as a fan who's been with you since I shall see the heavens and a will eternal. Um, I'm also like, you know, worried for your sake in terms of like how hard it is to build a following around characters and storylines and stuff like that. And no Argon's like just straight up. If you're going to do an Argon novel, you know that you're going to have that. So I'm hoping that like the next novel you choose is going to, have a built-in reader base, but also be fun for you. And I want to, I want to know, like, what do you look at when you're looking at potential novels? Now that you have to go outside the realm of what you, what you're, you know, knowledgeable about in terms of argument. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a lot of work, and my wife is helping out a lot. Like I said, I don't read very quickly in Chinese, um, whereas she is Chinese, so she does. So she's helping me a lot, and. You know, there's a lot of factors that play into it. There are lists provided by the websites that we have partnerships with uh, of novels that they're interested in having translated. And so um, we're going through those. We're looking at, you know, how popular they were in terms of like the recommendations and votes they got. Um, we're actually, she's actually skimming through the novels and reading some of them to kind of get a sense of it. Uh, and I look into, you know, she looks at the comments and the ratings and then, um, uh, RWX, Ren, also you know, takes a look at it. And so I'm kind of analyzing a lot of different factors and I haven't picked anything yet where I'm in the middle of, of doing that. I have a, I used, that, that slot I used to devote to reading ahead of translation is now open and I'm kind of using that to try to lock down my next novel so that I can start reading it ahead of translating it and get a very good like margin between where I'm translating and where I'm reading. Um, just two questions really quick. Uh, Hellstrom in the chat wants to know, do you know the name of Argon's new novel? I know it in Chinese, but I don't, there's no English translation. And the thing is, um, his, the titles of his novels almost always have some hidden meaning. Um, and so I don't even want to speculate on what the, the meaning is. Um, if I would have to talk to him about it, um, even the title, well, I'm not going to get into spoilers. You know, the title of A Will Eternal is, had a meaning and we talked to him about it ahead of time but he actually didn't provide us complete information. And so it's not until much later that it kind of all makes sense what that title means. So yeah, for this new one, I don't know. It, it, I have no idea what it means. So I don't want to speculate. Okay. And then have you ever, have you thought about if you're going to do um, another Chi novel or do you think that you might spread out into some of the other genres of, of these, these, these web novels? I mean, that's that's literally what I'm talking with uh, my wife, Madame Deathblade, about almost every day because uh, I'm good at Xianxia and obviously Xuan Huan, the other kind of more Western-style fantasy of Chinese novels. Both of those would be a lot easier for me than some other genre. I don't know if other genres would be popular. I think if there's if it's a good story and characters, obviously, yeah. 
So just a lot of factors to play into. I'm considering it, um, but I haven't made a decision yet. Okay. Well, as long as you can uh, keep playing Dungeons & Dragons and things of that sort and keep up with the, with the nerd culture alongside us, I'm sure we'll all be on board. Right. Um, I right. do want to bring up a little bit of nerd culture here, but possibly drunken nerd culture. I want to talk about beer. I, people probably saw this in the thumbnail and were a little bit taken aback, like, wait, is this a joke? No, you're, you're, you're a bit of a connoisseur of beer. Um, are you as much or the same as Beer Blade? I mean, there seems to be a little um, bit of a connection to your names here, guys. <laughs> right. Um, I would hesitate to call myself a connoisseur because I'm, I'm, I'm not that knowledgeable. I just really like beer. In fact, I would say that I know more about and like beer more than Beer Blade. His nickname was more of a joke made by Ren um, as opposed to an actual reflection of his personality. Um, I'm like a really big fan of IPA beers. Um, and incidentally, I'm originally from San Diego, which has like a really big craft brewing culture. Uh, but after moving to China, I found that it's really hard to get IPA beers in China. In fact, for years, I never even was able to drink a single IPA. Uh, and only re literally about two weeks ago, uh, an import store opened up kind of close by um, a guy that went to school in America. And he also likes IPA import store where he's selling a whole big variety of IPAs. So I'm like very, very, very excited about that. You know, it's very good news for me. Good news for, for beer drinkers. Yeah. Um, so we do, have to, we do have to talk about something a little bit more serious now. And this is something that, like, I've been curious about. I think everyone who posts on Wuxia World is curious about. And it's the China trip that right. was brought up, applied for, and then vanished without a trace in terms of mentions. So I'm curious, uh, do we have any updates on that? Yeah, well, um, you know, part of, I mean, if, if anybody remembers the timeline of events that happened in the web novel um, translation community, um, that basically started almost right around when Actual Still the Heavens ended, and then in the following months, there was just a lot of drama and crazy stuff happening, and that played a big role in why it got delayed so long. Another factor that played into it was Argon actually moved um, he just finished moving earlier this year um, from his hometown in far northeast China to Shanghai. So all of last year, he was traveling back and forth between Shanghai and his hometown a lot, and it made things even more difficult to coordinate. But we've finally wrapped up all the loose ends, and that trip is going to happen. We have two winners, actually. Um, and it's going to happen. Let's see, today is the 6th. I think it's going to be in about two weeks, roughly. Uh, so we have two winners coming, one from the United States, one from a country in Europe, and we're going to all meet there in Shanghai, which is Argon's new home. Me, Ren, Argon, and the two winners will kind of hang out, and I'll also have some business meetings with Ren and Argon at the same time. But yeah, it's finally going to happen after more than a year. So do the winners know who they are at this point then? Yeah, the winners have been notified. So if you have not been notified, then you are not the winner. Um they have been notified, and we're just waiting on a few um, final details before wrapping it all up. And I'm not sure what the plan will be. Uh, Ren is the one. I mean, this was Ren's field in terms of, like, he was the one that suggested it and, and has been kind of coordinating it. I'm not sure if he'll announce it on the front page of Usha World ahead of time or when it's happening. 
I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll definitely be tweeting about it on on Twitter, and you know, I'll, I'll probably post co comments in my chapters about it as well. How does it feel to break my heart? <laughs> <laughs> you were hoping that I would I would be like, and you're the winner. Yes. <laughs> you know, I want Sorry, to come man. on your show and do this announcement. You're the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be day. my Oprah. Be my Oprah, Deathblade. <laughs> All right, next time. Next time. Okay, for sure, next time. Uh, we, have a, we have a question from uh, Socrates Ilium in the chat who says, do you have any stories of characters of the stories you've translated meeting each other, i.e. Uh, Meng Hao or Bai Zha Chen? But I don't understand the question a little bit. Maybe you can kind of interpret it. Well, I mean, if the question is about are there such things written by the author, then the answer would be not that I'm aware of. And then in terms of fan fiction, uh, I haven't written anything. Um, I'm, maybe other people have. I think it would be a, definitely a funny um, concept. The, I've seen this come up in the, in the character comments before on multiple occasions. You know, um, what would happen if you know, Wang Lin and Meng Hao and Bai Taochuan met in a bar or something like that. So I, I, you know, I think that's a hilarious subject if anybody has done that. Um, make sure to you know ping me about it, and I can share on on Twitter or something like that because I think it's a hilarious subject. So, I'm curious um, because a lot of people might not know, or any anyway, the people over in the United States where I am, because I'm in Los Angeles. When you say that Argon was traveling between Shanghai and his hometown, what does that entail? Because I know you've told me some stories of like having to get from one place to another in China. And kind of how it doesn't, it's not like as easy as waiting at the airport for three hours and then taking a four-hour flight and getting there. What is it like to do those trips? I mean, it depends. Um, for him, uh, I believe there actually is a direct flight that goes from his hometown to Shanghai. So for him, it would probably just, and in fact, he, he would um, mention this in his chapter comments quite frequently about the process. Um it just depends on where you're going. Actually, the infrastructure in China uh, is a, kind of amazing, to be honest, um, especially just in the past few years. For foreigners, it's a, can be a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, foreigners have to register with the police wherever they go. If you stay at a hotel, the hotel will do it for you. Um, but like, because I live in a community not in, in like where I normally live, I have to be constantly in touch with the police station every time I'm, I'm moving around. And Argon wouldn't have to deal with that. Um, depending on the time of year, you know, there's mass migrations in China that can make things crazy. And then if you're talking about going anywhere outside of one of the major metropolitan areas that has an airport, then you're going to be dealing with trains and with, uh, you know, buses possibly. Uh, for me, um, when I go to Shanghai um, the next couple of weeks, I'll probably be taking the high-speed train because there's a, there's a train line that runs from Beijing to Shanghai. It only takes a few hours. And um, the nice thing about trains in China um, you know, there's downsides, but one of the nice things is it's not like um, at the airport where you have to go in and go through security and wait for hours and hours. Um, there is security, but like usually you just you walk in when your train uh, is supposed to leave. As long as you're there a couple minutes ahead of time, you generally don't have to go through a big rigmarole. So I find that train travel in China tends to be a lot more, um, well, let's just say less stressful than flying. Okay. And... Speaking of traveling in China, you're you were talking to me a little bit about um, a, some some kind of travel coming up here in the future. Can you elaborate on on what's going on with you right now in terms of if you're going to travel at all? 
Well, I'm going to be going to Shanghai, obviously, to meet Argon. But yeah, actually, I mean, I might as, I might as well just break the news. Um, we, my family and I, um, after, well, for me, having lived in China now for about eight straight years, have made the decision to move back to the United States. So um, the, not, my next major trip will be to Shanghai. But then after that, we're going to be going to the United States. Um, and it's kind of a, it's a long, complicated you know, situation. Um, I'll probably do a video on my own channel um, later to go into more detail about it. Because like, I remember when I was very interested in China before I moved here, I would follow a lot of blogs and, and channels of people that are living in China. And whenever one of those sort of, sort of long-time expats uh, announced that they were going going to leave China, I was always very confused about it, sort of like disappointed in me. And I would be like, why are you leaving? Um, so I'll probably go into a little bit of detail on that in a video of, of my own. But uh, it's it's been something that it, I, I would say the main reason is baby Deathblade. Um, you know his education and his environment. We feel that um, going back to my home would be more appropriate for him. And uh, the process, though, as I'm sure some people are aware, the process to legally immigrate and you know get all that stuff done is a very long and complicated one. So we've been working on it for a long time, and now pretty much all of the. Um, details have been locked down we have our plane tickets and everything we'll be heading back to california in uh december so I'll, actually i'll be very close to where you are you're in la right so yeah los angeles the 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 hat of uh, of where you'll be <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> is, is that something you're excited about or is it something you're kind of like nervous about like i don't know like i i've never i've never had to move from one country to another. I've moved from one coast to another, but within the same passport, it's kind of the same dealio. Are there hoops you got to jump through? Is it kind of a very difficult thing to do, especially having furniture and tons of stuff and all of baby Deathblade's things and all of your wife's things. Uh, and the fact that China is a completely different country with a lot of different rules. I mean, it's it's probably all of that. Um, it it is kind of a big. I mean, it's a a big major thing for sure. Uh, we're excited about it though. Um, I'm, you know, I could talk about this subject for a really really long time. I mean, I've I've been talking about it with my, you know, friends here in China that I know and stuff. And it's uh, um, it's, I would definitely say I'm excited. I would I would say that if Baby Deathbed hadn't come along, it would be a different story probably. But in some ways, I am kind of. I don't want to say relieved, but I'm definitely looking forward to it because there are certain things about China that are very frustrating and that are difficult to deal with. Um, and so it'll be nice to not have to deal with those things. <laughs> um, and another factor is that for me, after I would say after about five years, the sort of like exotic, cool Asian culture thing sort of like wore off. What I mean is like, you know, when I first come, when you first come to China as a Westerner, usually it's like so exotic and exciting and you know there's new food and like new smells and new sights and it's just so exciting but after a few years it just kind of becomes normal and it's just like that's what life is and so um there's kind of a, a an excitement factor that just wears away and after that excitement factor wears away and then you have a kid and you have to worry about the kid going to school and you have to think about all those you know Im important things kind of shifts your perspective and so uh yeah it's a uh, a lot of different factors that go into it, but overall, I'd say that we're all kind of excited about it. And San Diego is a nice place. So, do you think it's going to make any have any challenges uh, translating web novels in San Diego, or will it be easier? 
I don't think the location, well, actually, that's another factor that plays into it is that I think this work can be done anywhere. Um, to be honest, um, it's my full-time job. So I basically spend almost all day, every day in this room. And then when I'm done, you know, I'm out in the kitchen, in the living room. Occasionally we go out to dinner and on our family day, we'll go, you know, to the zoo or whatever it is. So the, the, the environment on my transiting, I don't think will affect it. Um, well, will I, what I'm concerned about is my Chinese and also uh, baby death plates Chinese because um, I'm going to have even less opportunities to practice. Um, obviously, at home, I can practice with you know my wife, but there's not going to be taxi drivers and going to the store and interacting with neighbors or whatever. And then for, for baby death plate, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about him. I want him to definitely be 100% fluent in both languages and be able to read and write in Chinese. So that's going to that's gonna be one thing that's definitely a challenge. Well, luckily, uh, California is a place that has a lot of benefits educational-wise where they can take those classes and things like that. I've been slowly learning about it as my, my niece just got into preschool, and I'm already blown away by the fact that she's learning more than I learned in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, like that's sign first. language, Spanish, everything. I'm like, okay, great. So now I'm just going to fade away into obscurity like the old fart I am now. But, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I understand, though, because after five years, all you kind of want is just an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's definitely, or a uh, carne asada burrito. I mean, man, you have no idea how much I've missed Southern California Mexican food. I think you, I think you posted about a year ago about how difficult it was to make a hot dog in China. Yep, yep. This is a little bit off topic, but I'm curious. What are, like, the hardest foods to find in China that you just miss a lot? Um, well, okay, I mean, that's a good example, hot dogs. They're not necessarily the hot dogs because you can actually get the franks, but you can't get the buns. You have to use substitutes of Chinese variety that aren't the same thing. Um, the thing, this is actually one of the other big factors that plays into the decision to move. It's not like it's the only factor, but the lack of variety in the food is a big thing for me. It's like, I'm the kind of person who gets, um, fed up of, fed up with things very quickly. Um, like I don't want to eat the same thing more than once a week, generally speaking. Um, and I love Chinese food to death for sure, but there's almost no variety here. There's pizza and there's burgers. That's just about it. There's, uh, we have an Indian restaurant. I know it's not Western food, but we have an Indian restaurant. There's a lot of um, Chinese style, Japanese sushi places, and there's Korean. That's basically almost it. Uh, so anything else that you want to make in the terms of Western food, you're either going to have to settle for like Chinese style, um, and it's obviously not authentic, or you have to make it yourself. And then even making it is difficult. China's progressing a lot. The city that I live in, like I, I use the example of avocados. When I first moved to this city, there was one store that had avocados and it would like have one box and they would, you would most likely get three out of four avocados that were rotten if you bought that box. Now, even the like corner crappy little supermarkets have avocados. This is only a few years later. So things are definitely changing, but um, yeah, that lack of variety of food really, really hits you after the months turn into years. Do you think it makes you healthier though or, or no? Because like I know... I have so many people I know that move here from New York and after a year in Los Angeles, they've already gained 40 pounds because <laughs> it's just, there's food everywhere. And in New York, you're walking and there's food everywhere, but in LA, you have to drive everywhere. Uh, traffic every day. It takes an hour to get anywhere you want to go. Uh, has mama Deathblade put you on a, on a, on an exercise regiment for when you move? 
Uh, well, I've gained a lot of weight, man, since Baby Deathbed got born. Because, um, you know, my previous work as a teacher, I was on my feet almost all day, every day. It's I was teaching children, so very active. Now I'm literally just sitting here. Although I actually have a this table um, is a standing table, so it'll convert to it goes between standing and sitting. So I stand and sit, but I'm not moving. I've probably gained something like 20 pounds since baby death was born. Um, I don't think that's it. To answer your question though, I, um, you know, there's unhealthy food available wherever you go. So, you know, there's plenty of fried food and stuff here. And, and sadly, and this is very sad, but I've eaten way more McDonald's, uh, here in China than I ever ate before. And I can tell you when I move back, I'm never eating McDonald's again. I'm so sick of it. But sometimes it's it's like fast, and I don't want it's not healthy, but I believe it to be generally cleaner than a lot of the other stuff that you're gonna gonna find um, less likely to get you sick, um, which is an issue in China with the food. Uh, so yeah, I had way too many Big Macs and way too many like double cheeseburgers, and I swear to God, when I go back to the United States, no more, no more. <laughs> you say that, you say that. You're well, going to a Target one day. And there's going to be a McDonald's, and you're going to be hungry. I don't know, man. I, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe because I've eaten so much, I'll actually miss it if I stop eating it. I don't know. It's hard to say. Make an oath to the heavens right now, Deathblade. Um, I will. I have a few questions in the chat. I really, I'm, I'm curious, though, myself, because I don't think I've ever asked you about this. And don't answer if you can't answer. But um, – Every video you see from China that Americans see is the viral ones of people like forging stuff and, you know, like plastic rice and like all that kind of crap. And, you know, there's like the 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 scandals with people putting in the powdered milk and all that kind of stuff. Is that as prevalent as it appears to be from viral media or is that just kind of like certain regions? Well, interestingly, before I get into that topic of that milk scandal actually happened in the city that I live in. The, there's a big milk, you know, um, I don't know, making milk making company. Uh, they don't make milk. Anyway, the point is that scandal originated in the city where I live in and it destroyed that milk company for, you know, pretty much they were destroyed into oblivion. To answer the question, um, I mean, it's hard to say, like, uh, you see that kind of stuff on the news all the time and it's stuff that you don't see in the United States. I, I on a Daily basis, I don't say I don't feel like it affects me, but you're always, you know, worried about it. There's vaccine scandals that have been hitting over and over again over the past couple of years, and Baby Deathweight has been getting vaccines as mandated by law, and then you know news comes out that there's fake vaccines out there. So it's definitely something that is of concern. But I, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't bought any of those plastic eggs accidentally. Um, I'm actually planning to do a video about this on of my own later, but basically, fake stuff is common in China all over the place, even fake Coke and fake alcohol. Many times I've gone to a corner store, bought a bottle of Coke. It looks exact. I mean, it's, it has a Coke label and everything, but you taste it, you know, it's not Coke. Um, alcohol is a little bit worse because a lot of times you won't know till the next day. And then, you know, you drink what would you would think would be moderately. And the next day you feel like the mother of all hangovers. Uh, and there's other stuff too. You know, gutter oil is a, is a problem constantly. And you never really know whether the food that you're, oh, oh, sorry, gutter oil is basically recycled cooking oil, um, illegally recycled cooking oil that gets sold very cheaply. So obviously street food vendors, if they can, you know, cut down some of their overhead are going to be happy to do that if nobody knows about it. 
that's really common. So yeah, there's a lot of food stuff, but that's, again, that's another factor where it's like, uh, that's something that I don't have to worry about in the United States that I do in China. Got it. Um, well, this was really cool. I, I can take some more fan questions uh, if you have time. Uh, we have a few more in the chat. It's up to you. Sure. Yeah, that's, I can go for another 10 minutes before I fall behind my um, my translation schedule for the day. Yeah, they don't need they don't need a Will Eternal chapters. They'll be fine. <laughs> nah. Uh, we have a we have a uh, a question from Clever uh, Medeiros. Uh, without spoilers, did the first Demon Sealer give that name to the organization because he would transcend into the demon because of the Demon Stone Stila? Was just the name? Is there a meaning to the name? Got it. I mean, that's a question that is never addressed in the novel itself and I think is open to speculation. So maybe I'll... Uh, this is actually something that I've talked with um, Ren about uh, and never talked with Argon about it. Maybe I will at the upcoming meeting in Shanghai. But yeah, there's, there's, there's no indication about it. I don't... My personal take is I don't think it has anything to do with the um the demon I, I don't think they're supposed to be connected i think it's coincidental but that's just my take on it um yeah i don't i don't have a good answer for that one sorry okay and then uh hellstrom wants to know how do the novels how do the four novels fit in sequentially um i don't know this might be a spoiler with a will eternal if you tell me that i don't know um well um Okay, look, I'll, I'm not going to, this isn't really a spoiler, but if you're like absolutely dead set on not knowing any little tiniest detail, plug your ears for like 10 seconds. But basically, it's impossible to definitively say when a Will Eternal fits into the timeline because of certain factors. Um, I've read a lot of articles on the internet in Chinese, which have all kinds of analyses of why um, that's, uh, why it fits in here, why it fits in there. But th those kind of analyses don't mean much as far as I'm concerned. Incidentally, um, this kind of makes reminds me of the whole thing about that about Bai Xiaotun being the ghost because that was a big speculative thing even in the China, among the Chinese readers and on the wiki page in Chinese there was this really long paragraph that listed all the evidence that supposedly proved why uh, Bai Xiaotun was the ghost but he's not and I've told I've said this from the very beginning of the novel that he's not I put it in the comments I've been I've been open about it the reason being is that that was an entire major troll. Um, by Argon. He intentionally tricked people into thinking that Bai Shen was the ghost, and then they then they were all proved wrong in the very end. And I kind of didn't, I really didn't want to deal with hundreds of chapters of comments speculating about it and, and analyzing it and stuff. And I, didn't, I don't think it's cool to troll the audience that badly. <laughs> so that, that's why I said from the very, very beginning that he's not, because I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, be party to that level <laughs> of pranking. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's a little bit to the to the extreme to make your entire fan base scream and then not do that. Um, yeah, I mean, and and even in the comments in Chinese and the chapter comments, because I read a lot of the chapter comments just throughout the entire novel, people like you know getting getting arguments, and then one person would be well, Arvin said that he's the ghost in this you know message way back, but he didn't. It was just a trick. So yeah, yeah, that happens. All the time in Hollywood. Hey, this person's not going to be this character in this movie. Well, guess what? They actually were. People like to take yep. news at face value, but fake news, right? Yeah. Christopher Soon in the chat says, How much did living in China help with translations? Since speaking and writing are different, and in novels, one usually tries to have a variety of words not used in conversations. 
I would say it absolutely helped a lot. I mean, um, having taught language, having taught language for many years, and having self-taught uh, myself Chinese, I can tell you that the environment is very important. It's not all important though. Like I knew people here in China, friends of mine um, that lived in China for years and never learned Chinese. Um, and I knew people in the United States um, who had never lived overseas but could speak really good Chinese. Um, so that's not the only factor, but it's definitely important. It's great to be able to be walking around and seeing the characters um, around you. One thing that really helps about living in China is being more in tune with slang because the authors, at least Argon, tends to throw in kind of like slang terms and stuff, and it's hard to come across those naturally sometimes. Uh, and another thing, another factor is that when you're learning Chinese outside of China, may, maybe Taiwan would count as well, but if, let's say you're in your home country learning it. It's almost impossible to escape the sort of like classroom Chinese. Like, like for example, what's the first thing that everybody learns when they learn about Chinese? Even people who don't know Chinese know how to say hello, right? Like, you know how to say hello in Chinese, I assume. Uh, Do you? <laughs> I don't know. I know. Uh, I know. Thank you. I think thank you is the first thing I learned in Chinese. Okay. That's good. That's okay. Good. Um, well, ni hao, I hear all the time um, from, I mean, like my parents can say it. Random people in America that met, you know, my wife would, would say it. The thing is that um, ni hao is not commonly used in the way that people think it is. But you're taught that it, that it is. Another thing that people are taught is ni hao ma, which is Technically speaking, it means how are you? It just it's not used in daily conversation. So, being in China, uh, being able to interact with Chinese people and live life, I would say definitely helps with the translation for sure. I think the difficulty for me is that I was really into manga and anime back in the day, and now I'm into this. And when I forget what something is, I'm like, wait, is this Chinese or is this Japanese? And then I'm like, wait a second, that's not a question I want to be asking. So I just kind of yeah. err on the side of caution and be like, do you speak English so I can talk to you? Because I don't want like, to say ni hao if I'm like, wait, is that is that Japanese? Like, I feel like a lot of people would just go with it, but then I just don't want to risk offending somebody when I, it's just like ignorance on my part. Yeah, sure. And, you know, there's always people getting offended about everything. And so, you know, some some Chinese people get offended if you like, I would say people in China never like literally. OK, so in China. If you, you can be, you can speak absolutely no Chinese, walk up to somebody and be like, ni hao, and they'll be like, they'll be like, wow, your Chinese is great. Like, they think it's amazing almost all the time. Overseas, maybe a little bit different story. So, yeah. Um, weird question. This isn't in the chat. I'm just curious because we were talking about different languages. Is the K-pop revolution as real in China as it is in the United States right now? Yeah, I think so, for sure. So weird. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't get it. I'm, I'm like, maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm behind the curve, but... Oh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of Chinese young people are really into South Korean culture for sure. Yeah. Uh, is hip-hop... Hip hip I heard there was like a, a, a crackdown on people performing hip-hop in China too, though. So I think that was like... Yeah, I heard about that a while back, but, the, you know... I did, I, I, despite that, I still see news articles floating around about this hip-hop artist performing here and this group there. So I think that was probably one of those... Like, this happens a lot in China, where there's like this big crackdown, which basically you know, consists of some newspaper article and then some you know, temporary like, 
shutting down of venues or something like that. And then a few months later, kind of like people forget about it. At least that's my impression. Got it. I think I angered the entire chat talking poorly of K-pop. So I think that's, <laughs> I think that's my cue to, to let you go and okay. uh, figure out when the next time we can talk. Uh, hopefully you'll be in San Diego. So I think I'll leave with, with this comment. That kind of basically ensures that you'll be there for San Diego Comic Con next year, right? Um, yeah. Well, okay. So the um, the we got into Comic Con at the last minute because of a, a last minute cancellation, and that person basically temporarily canceled, but had a contract with San Diego Comic Con. So that specific spot is not open. So we're waiting to see if we'll be able to get another spot. Um, the or organizers liked us and the people around us, the other booth people like near us, we kind of struck up some friendships and stuff. So we're hopeful, but we're still waiting on Comic-Con to give us the news about whether or not uh, we'll have a spot. If, if there's a spot open, we'll definitely be there. And I'm also looking into, since I'm going to be in Southern California now, we'll probably be present at other events um, in California and who knows, maybe elsewhere in the United States as well. We'll see. All right. Well, you always have a couch to crash on here. Thank you so much for uh, doing this Q&A with me, Deathblade. It's been a great talking to you uh, in an official capacity as opposed to just talking to you for like five minutes in an episode. Um, is sure. there anything you want to leave the fans with before you head out and start translating again for the, the savages to, to rip apart? Sure. For dive? anybody who um, managed to listen this far in, you get a special uh, announcement that there's going to be a really cool contest coming up. <laughs> so the the special announcement is that uh, I have a contest coming up uh, in a few weeks. I think toward the end of this month or maybe middle of next month or something. Uh, it's going to be really cool. I think the biggest contest I've done so far, and it may be the final contest I do for a Will Eternal. I, there, it's possible I could do another one to go along with the, the finale. I haven't decided yet. Um, but this is going to be super cool. I'm really, really excited about it. It may be a joint contest with Rex. Uh, the translator of Renegade Immortal. So I talked to him a little bit about it. We have some details to hash out, but uh, it might be a joint you know, Argon novel contest where we're, where we're both doing a, a contest at the same time. It's going to be really, really cool. So stay tuned for that sometime in late October or maybe in November sometime. It's going to be super cool. All right. And before my Wi-Fi cuts out again and decides to kill us, uh, as I love the chat, the, the comments were great. The heavens always leave a door open. They're, they're the best. Um, shout out, guys. Please go follow Deathblade on Twitter at ISSTH Deathblade and subscribe to his Patreon. Check out the uh, A Will Eternal Advanced Chapters. He said there's a little over 100 now, so more and more tiers are being added as you come to the end of this novel. Look out for that contest. Uh, thank you so much, Deathblade, and we will talk to you again soon. Okay. Yeah, thanks. It was a pleasure. Oh, boy. That was awesome, guys. Um... I really enjoy talking to talking to him because it's just it's cool to talk. Deathblade's like the person you put on a pedestal in terms of like, you know, you get into this genre, you get into the kind of this this uh, this community, and it's like the novel that you're like so into, and it's like the guy who's translating. Oh my god, it's like Wayne's World. We're not worthy. So it's just kind of really cool to talk to him like one on one and 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 pick his brain. And it's, it's just really exciting to hear that things are going well. He's, he's going to be moving over to the United States. And, and that's, I think it's a good thing. I think um, it's, it's definitely going to be better for 
um, for web work, I think, because like I know that the internet's very iffy over there. But apparently, it's iffy over here too. If you guys have been watching this live stream and seeing the uh, the way that my internet just kind of cut out on me. But as always, thank you so much for watching the show. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating of five stars and a comment if you enjoy it. If you have uh, notes or anything, or you want to suggest me to do some novels, I can do some ch chapter readings of uh, novels if you suggest them. And I'll reach out to the translators and get some interviews going on. Otherwise, please support uh, AfterBuzz TV, where I work. I've been there for seven years. I've been, uh, I kind of run it now, so check that out. Please support it. We do after shows for all sorts of TV content, all kinds of interviews there. So if you want to support me, uh, I do have a Patreon, but I don't really put stuff there, so I'd rather you just kind of go and help AfterBuzz TV out and help out the Immortal Index broadcast channel by subscribing. Thanks so much again, guys, and we will see you next time on the Immortal Index podcast.